Hello, my beautiful, beautiful people. Welcome back. As always, my name is Hannah Hutchinson, and I'm your conflict coach. But this season is going to be just a little bit different. If you didn't notice, it is now the Secrets of a Conflict Coach podcast. I genuinely just felt like that expressed what I'm trying to do here a little bit better. I just want to share what I've learned, share what I know, share some consistencies I've found in the human experience and really help people understand what it is that's going on inside of them. Because a lot of times things happen inside of us and we react to those things and don't really know what's going on. That's totally normal. But I want to help with that just a little bit. So last season was a lot of information. It was a lot of straightforward description and detail. And I'm very proud of last season. This season, I want it to be a little more fun, a little more personable, maybe even have some guests, more conversational. But I do want to talk about last season a little bit because season one was done around this time last year. And I was still, I was in the final stages of my graduate degree in conflict resolution. And each of those episodes I released, each piece of content I released on, on my Instagram or on my Facebook was created. Each one was looked at, viewed, listened to by my professors and my colleagues, things like that. And I got really good feedback on it. It was awesome, but I was going through a lot of things at that time that made it really hard for me to bring myself into the podcast the way I wanted to, at least. And it's really important to me that this season I'm able to make it as me as I want it to be because I know there's some value there. So I'm trying to do that a little bit better. But last season was great and we've slightly rebranded. I have big plans for this season and upcoming seasons. And I know it's just, I know it's going to be great. So I'm really excited to share with you guys. But obviously, this is still just episode one. So I still want to ease you in just a little bit. I want to just go over some of the main questions I get about what this is and what it is that I'm doing and what is conflict coaching, those types of things. I want to answer those questions so that you guys have an understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing, what my goals are, why is this important, why should you listen? Those things are key points that I want to make sure I touch on before we do anything else. So uh, I want to just start with like the number one question I get, <laughs> which is obviously what is conflict coaching? And I, I'm not offended by this question at all. It does not bother me. Conflict coaching is a new industry. It's not something that the people in Arkansas, where I am, or even in like Kansas City or Miami, it's not something those people have. It's something that people in LA have access to. It's something that people in New York City have access to. And in most states, there's still not even legal guidelines or certifications or regulations that you follow or licensing. So it's a hard industry to break into because no matter what you're doing, it's going to, on some level, have to be a little bit groundbreaking. So it's nerve wracking and it's terrifying, but it's also very, very, very exciting. And in terms of what a conflict coach is, I mean, it's hired for the same reason as any other coach. If you hired me to conflict coach you, it would be the same thing as hiring a career coach or an athletic coach, a financial coach. I'm here to help you understand conflict a little bit better, understand maybe what you're doing wrong or what you could do better in conflict. I'm here to talk about conflicts that are plaguing your life and figure out what parts of those could be handled more productively by you or by other people or what parts just are and how to be okay with that. And there are so many levels to it. But a lot of people compare it to things like therapists and mediators. And 
it kind of bridges that gap in a sense because therapists focus a lot on mental health conditions, managing mental health, managing emotions, things like that. Definitely crucial work. Would a thousand percent recommend therapy. I go to therapy. I love it. Mediators, on the other hand, are kind of more on the legal side of things. They're kind of dispute resolution agents. There's specific guidelines, specific regulations that mediators follow, and they're required to maintain a sense of independence from the conflict, a neutral third party, so to say. And those are also really crucial people in our system because they handle a lot of de-escalation. They keep a lot of things from going to court that shouldn't go to court. Um, mediation is kind of your last chance to get a solution to a problem that it doesn't feel like there's a mutual solution to. It's your last chance to make everybody happy. The mediator's there to kind of mediate the the conversation between the parties and make sure that everyone leaves feeling like they got something they wanted. But a conflict coach bridges that gap because as a coach, I'm focused on tools. I'm focused on your reactions. I'm focused on your emotions. And I, it's tailored to each individual person. And we really talk a lot about communication and collaboration and productivity and about the differences between reacting and responding and things like that. Because most of us have never actually been exposed to productive, collaborative conflict resolution ever. And if so, if we have, it's not regularly. So it seems kind of foreign and impossible. It seems like something you only see on movies when they just resolve a conflict flawlessly and everyone's happy. But the goal of conflict coaching is to shift your understanding of conflict so that it becomes easy to handle it in a way that fosters relationship growth and relationship building, learning more about each other, diving deeper into a relationship, feeling more comfortable around each other, being more vulnerable in a comfortable way, and not destroying the relationship or breaking down the relationship or cutting ties, things like that. So conflict coaching essentially takes what you already know about conflict and kind of flips it, shifts it, shifts that understanding so that you actually experience conflict differently therefore can handle it and respond to it in a more calm, collected, knowledgeable way, regardless of what the conflict is about. It's a really interesting field, and it's exciting that it's growing. It's exciting that it's coming, but it's still very much in the beginning stages of the industry. And it's something that I am here to try to bring to light, bring into the forefront of what's going on in the mental health movement right now. I think this is a really crucial piece that could help a lot of people. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I'm just excited to hopefully bring some new perspectives and help you guys think differently about some things and let you decide for yourself which way works best for you, because ultimately you're the only one who knows. But that discussion usually leads into the question of what made me choose this. I touched on that a little bit, I think, but it's hard to answer that question without running through my entire life story. I have always been exposed to conflict, but that's true for everybody. I think when I left home and got to college and those quote-unquote real-life experiences started is when I ended up feeling like no matter how much I learned about the way we communicate with each other, conflict was always hard and it was always scary, which in undergrad, I studied interpersonal communication. I love the concept of how people interact, obviously. 
But when I finished undergrad, I remember feeling like I had learned so much and it was amazing and I loved my communication degree, but I still didn't really understand conflict. But college was over, we were moving forward. Over the next couple of years, I had people really close to me pass away. I got engaged and then we got married during COVID. Um, and it was just a lot of craziness and seemingly disaster over the course of a couple of years. And that was, of course, during the time where we all kind of experienced that political unrest, uh, the constant societal conflict, the fear, the uncertainty, the anxiety that came with not only like expressing yourself, but talking to other people about your life and what's going on and how you feel. It seemed like there was a tendency, a strong tendency to turn to conflict. And that was scary because I had already figured out that I didn't really understand conflict and didn't know a lot about it and knew that it didn't follow the normal rules of communication. But nothing was getting any better. I always felt that no matter what I tried to do, no matter how I tried to manage conflict, trying several different ways, it was always wrong. It always made things worse, and I really needed answers. I started feeling pretty lost in, in my life and wanted... And knew that I wanted to do something bigger, something different, something more. I didn't feel like I was doing meaningful work at the time. And I remembered that there was a TV show I used to like to watch when I was in middle school and high school. It was called Necessary Roughness. And it was about a mediator that worked for a professional football team. Obviously, as an adult, I know that the job wouldn't work the same way that it works in the TV show. But it was still interesting to me, and I felt like I had that that memory for a reason. And I started looking into mediation and what that entailed. So I decided to get my master's degree in conflict resolution, dispute management. And the first thing that I learned in that master's degree after being out of school for two years, being confused about conflict for two years, well, longer than that, the first thing that we learned is the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. And I learned that for pretty much the entirety of my life, I had only ever seen people trying desperately to keep the peace once it was already disturbed, and had never witnessed anyone actually creating peace in an environment, being able to redirect a conflict to a peaceful resolution. And we learned the difference between what was actually damage control and what really is collaborative communication with people regardless of differences in opinion, regardless of what you want, regardless of the other person's attitude. At the end of the day, we can still collaborate to the best of our ability. And even if the other person isn't handling things the right way or what we believe is the right way, there's usually still a route to resolution. But there are several things we have to know and understand about ourselves and about other people before that's possible, before we can get to the point where we can handle conflict that way. And a lot of people, a lot of people, have asked me the question, what can I do to reduce conflict in my life? Obviously, it's asked a gazillion different ways. But the gist is, what can I do to reduce conflict in my life? 
And that's not a one answer fits all type of situation. But there are five things that I think everyone needs to know or learn or understand in order to get a good foundation of, of what healthy conflict looks like. The first one of those things is managing your own expectations of other people. And this one's tricky because we don't usually recognize when we have expectations of other people. There are times when our expectations are clear, when we've asked someone to do something or in a relationship, we might have clear expectations with our partner. The parent-child role, a lot of times, will have pretty clear expectations. But in day-to-day -day life, for example, if you think about road rage, when you're, when you're driving and someone cuts you off, the rage that bubbles up isn't from the fact that they made you two seconds later to where you're going. The rage and frustration comes from the fact that in our head, we were getting from A to B smoothly because our driving is in our control. Those are things that subconsciously we've understood about ourselves and our environment. And when someone else does something to disrupt that expectation of a safe, peaceful drive, it blows our expectations out of the water and we weren't prepared. We don't know how to react. And that's not how we feel in the moment. We feel angry at that person because they shouldn't have done that. It's dangerous. It's whatever. And it is. But psychologically, what's actually happening is that our expectations were disrupted. And when we learn how to go into situations managing our own expectations of what we're expecting from the world, what we're expecting from our partner, what we're expecting from our friends, what we're expecting from our parents, from our coworkers, from our employees. When we work on managing our own expectations instead of trying to manage what those other people are doing, conflict drastically reduces because we're managing ourselves. It's a lot easier to manage yourself than it is to manage other people. And so one I would say is manage your own expectations. Two, learn how to set healthy boundaries. Boundaries are kind of trending right now, which is amazing. I love that. I think it's awesome. But learning how to set healthy boundaries is a conversation that a lot of people aren't having. People tend to just cut people off and call it setting boundaries. And that might be. But boundaries are about what you're going to do differently. Boundaries aren't about changing how other people act. So if you have a conversation with one of your friends and you say, hey, I need you to do this differently, and you consider that setting a boundary, that's not a full boundary. That's you telling someone what to do. To make it a boundary, you have to have a concept of what am I going to do differently when this doesn't change, because that's the boundary piece. You're the one setting boundaries. You're not controlling other people. So what you can say to your friend is, hey, I know we haven't talked about this. This has really been upsetting me. I'm at a point where I probably should have brought it up sooner, but it is affecting me negatively. And if that's something that you want to continue doing, that's great. I want to support that, but I'm going to have to spend less time around it or I'm going to have to separate myself from it, even if temporarily. And obviously, that's just one example, but healthy boundaries involve a declaration of what you are going to be doing differently if someone else's behavior continues the same way. And it's not a threat. 
it's not an ultimatum. It's not you do this or I'm going to do this. It's I just want you to know that if you notice me distancing myself, this is why. You're not asking them to change. You're not asking them to be someone different. And there's, there is a clear distinction there because even if that person takes that the wrong way or jumps to some sort of conclusion, you've still not asked them to do anything differently. You are setting your own boundary for how you are going to handle the situation differently because people treat you how you teach them that they can treat you. So boundary setting is about what you're doing, not about what other people are doing. That would be number two. Three is the part that people hate. And it is learning how to understand and recognize your emotions when they come. And people like to think that they can do this. I thought that I could do this until I studied this and dug deeper into it. There are more emotions than just the main three. <laughs> Mad, happy, sad. There are more. There are several. And I think I touched on this last season as well, but I would recommend everyone to look up the emotions wheel or the feelings wheel, wheel of emotions. I have a pillow of it. It starts out in the middle with the main six, and then it breaks those down into six more, and then it breaks each of those down into more. And you can kind of narrow down using that visual what emotion it is that you're actually feeling because we're trained to just learn the top few. You know, I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm happy, I'm fine. Um, but those aren't what the emotions actually are. If you can learn how to feel those, understand it, and name it, not even out loud, just to yourself so you know exactly what you're feeling. It's a lot easier to manage conflict because once you're able to name those emotions, you're able to respond to someone instead of reacting to them. And the difference between responding and reacting is small but significant. If you're responding to someone, you are taking what they've done or what they've said. You're taking their input and you are processing it understanding how it makes you feel and developing a response to that that is productive and collaborative if you're reacting jumping on that emotion and expressing that emotion in whatever way comes instinctually out of you and so if we don't know how to manage those emotions and understand them then when it comes time to respond to something we end up reacting instead because we've never learned how to really process and understand what we're feeling so that's number four, responding instead of reacting. And this one is more conceptual, I think, but it is really important is you have to understand at the end of the day that other people's actions, whether they're reacting or responding, whether they're trying to dominate the conversation or actually trying to collaborate, chances are they're doing something that bothers you or that frustrates you because that's human nature. That's what causes conflict is a difference in experience. But you have to understand that people's actions have so much more to do with them and their own issues and the things that they're going through and their reality than they will ever have to do with you or your issues or your reality. People take their emotions out on other people. Should we? No. Are we supposed to do that? No. Are there ways to teach ourselves not to do that? Yes, that's part of my goal. But at the end of the day, people will take their emotions out on others. And we have to be able to understand that if someone takes their emotions out on us, 
it has more to do with them and what they're going through than it does with us. And when there is that, you know, 2% of the time when someone's actions are personal, they do have to do with you. They make it that way. Obviously, that's a harder situation to handle. But thankfully, we will be covering a lot of that over the course of this season. And I'm going to try to bring in some real examples or at least some relatable examples and kind of give you guys an idea of what those different kinds of conflicts can look like and how to manage your responses when other people aren't managing their reactions. So I think that we've got a very, very exciting season ahead of us. And I cannot wait to share more with you guys, but I hope I was able to at least manage your expectations a little bit of what this season is going to look like, answer some of your burning questions. (laughs) And I would love to hear from you guys if this episode gave you more questions or gave you something that you want to hear about in the future. By all means, my DMs are open, as is my email. My email address is yourconflictcoach2hs at gmail.com. And uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. I mean, you name it, probably. I think I'm on there. But I will make sure that those are in the episode notes and in any descriptions that it lets me put anywhere so that you guys can find those pretty easily. This was Secrets of a Conflict Coach, episode one. And I hope you beautiful people have a beautiful week. And I'll see you next week. Bye.